Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the University of British Columbia from the unceded Musqueam Territory. You can listen to us on 101.9 FM or citr.ca online. I'm your host, Michael McCall. Steve Pender. Zachary Adam Eisenhower. The second part of the show tonight, or I guess you could kind of say it's part four now, we're going to have a look at the recently announced 2026 World Cup bid. Big news this week, Steve. The The World Cup bid was announced. Three countries putting in for it. We've got America looking to host 60 games. Canada and Mexico getting 10 games each. Not what everyone was hoping for. When you heard the news and when you heard how it was going to be kind of broken down, what what was your initial reaction? Obviously, it's now real. The bid is there. Was it excitement, indifference, disappointment? How, how did you feel when you heard that? It, it, it's hard to describe. I, I was kind of expecting it, and I even was expecting uh, Canada not to get too many games. I wasn't expecting them to get, like, well, I didn't think at all it was going to be an even split. What actually surprised me the most was Mexico was only getting 10 games. That's kind of surprised me. I mm. thought they would be able to get yeah. a lot more. Uh, but obviously, considering if you think of the Gold Cup and how America constantly gets all the games, every every Gold Cup is always played in, in America. So that, in a way, it's kind of not surprising. Um, but once it kind of settled in, I kind of did get excited for the, the, the chance to see a, um, a World Cup here. Even if it most likely is going to be... Um, a couple of uh, group matches and maybe one or two quarterfinal matches or, or first well, round not, matches. Not even quarterfinal. It's going to be like round of 16. Round of well, 16. Well, Sorry, I meant, I meant or, round or of 16. whatever yeah. it's going to work out, like second round matches. Yeah, so I... I, I round I, of 125 or something. I think most likely it's going to be, if you if you just take the 10 Canadian ones, I think it's going to be three Vancouver, three Montreal, four Toronto. I think that's probably how it's going to be split. I don't... You have I could to be look wrong. at, though, where they're going to play those games. And yeah. does, does Montreal have... I mean, you've got the Olympic Stadium. It's still nine years away, so they can retrofit anything they need to retrofit mm. at this point. And they've always been talking about uh, uh, possibly building a new stadium there. Um, maybe it comes in time for the World Cup. Maybe that's an incentive for them to build one. By I, the I honestly think it was just going to be Toronto and Vancouver. There's, oh, yeah. there's a discussion no. in Montreal that they'd build a new stadium, I think, for... 
just for uh, this? No, no. Uh, well, would, other teams will play in there afterwards. Yeah, Mon- the, the Alouettes, I think. It would be a new... Even the impact uh, okay. it, it wouldn't be near where the Olympic Stadium is now. It would be more in the city. Interesting. But that's just people, what people are talking when, about. When, you get, when you get a World Cup like this, you, you're going to have te- a lot of places be having incentive to build something. Yeah. Because you want, they want to host the stuff. Well, so. It's a cash cow. I mean, you, there's so much money that, that can be made from it, but it's also a lot of expense as well. I mean, you could ask the folk in Brazil, was it worth it to spend all that money to have the world come and visit you? And, and then and all these lose. years later, well, and, lose. <laughs> and then have all these like white elephants that just great stadiums that's just not getting used. And that's what we don't want to have here. And what was, what was your first feeling, Zach, when you heard how the split was, the, the 60-10-10? Yeah, it was definitely, I, I felt like we we were not getting enough games. Uh, dis- definitely disappointed in the fact that we only get 10 out of 80. Uh, I think it's nice. It's It seems like a bit of a gesture on behalf of Mexico that they're willing to have the same number of games as us, even though yeah. the number is low. Um, I, I think, though, that the way that they've looked at it, they've, they've hosted it twice. They hosted right. it in 70, they hosted it in 86. Yeah. I think the, the feeling was if they tried to go alone, they weren't going to get it. I, I think America, they could have taken it themselves, honestly. They could, they could have hosted it themselves. But well, the only, it's interesting the only thing- because we're going to have some audio from Don Garber yeah. just in a few minutes, and he kind of alludes to that, that he hadn't really heard anything about this triple bid. And this was in February. And reading between the lines of what he says, it does kind of seem that America wanted to maybe go on their own. Maybe the Trump administration made them have a second thought. Maybe there was pressure from Victor Montagliani as the new CONCACAF president, like, no, you, you're not going alone in this. Yeah. Or maybe both Mexico and Canada were going to do their own bid together or separate bids, and then it was going to split the vote. Something's happened to make America want to do this because you follow or you read some of the comments that some American journalists have made online. It's like, yeah, no way are we going to share. And then all of a sudden they're, they're sharing, I, I think, sharing an inverted I comments. think possibly yeah. it could be the 48 team format, the way that it might expand by then because they, maybe they just don't have nope, – I, I think in the future I don't think any country possibly will have enough facilities. To host 48, yeah. I think that everybody's going to need help. You need a lot of infrastructure. I mean, America like, is made for it. Maybe maybe a country like uh, Germany will have, obviously, have the stadiums. Genau. Um, um, uh, England might have the stadiums. Uh, Spain, but they're not, there's not that no. many overall. I mean, maybe some South American yeah. countries, too. You're ruling it out going to Africa, for example. There's no African country that could host a 48-game tournament on its own. No. Yeah. And then now, this bid opens up Africa to have, yeah, a multi-country yeah. Host in the future, or again, yeah, and but we'll we'll come to we'll talk a bit about the, where we think the games might be, be held in a, in a bit. One of the polls which I put out on Twitter tonight was, "How are you feeling about the the three amigos World Cup bid?" That's what we're going to call it, <laughs> the, the three amigos. And in first place was excited at forty one percent, thirty percent had mixed feelings, and then it was a tie. Fourteen percent are indifferent. Fourteen percent feel that Canada got shafted. I don't the, know that we can say that we got shafted because I don't think we, we will never get the. No. Uh, if the if we went standalone no, and never. we went up against America, we no. would get votes from the people that don't like America. I just can't see how we could have possibly hosted a forty-eight team World Cup here. Yeah, the forty-eight team thing makes thing, makes it difficult. Because I, I, I think I think it's sixteen groups at that point, right? It's, it's sixteen, 16 groups, groups of three. Of three yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So that makes that would have made things more difficult to host. But um, when you're talking about you don't know how we would have beaten America, I think politics are politics, right, Michael? And I think there yeah. there was lot there's lots of ways to to make that work. Um, of course, the, the ironic thing is we could have gone standalone, we could have got it, or the World Cup's coming here in 2026, but the world won't exist then because we'll all have been killed in a nuclear war. Possibly. That's anything. By, by the time this podcast comes out, it's like this, yeah. there's a good chance that it could be over. I um, might even make it to the end I, of the show. But but uh, uh, for for the three hosts, I think I think all three teams will be able to make it. I think with 48 teams, I think there should be no yeah, problem with that. that. That was my next question to you guys. It's like... With the 48, it does make sense. All three sh- should get in, but, but should they? America definitely, because they're hosting the bulk of it, but should Mexico and Canada both get in? Again, I, I think with 48 teams, I think it's no problem at that point. I think they, they have enough space where it's not going to... Sh- like, they're going to have minnows anyways coming in at yeah, 48 Canada, teams. Canada. Canada. So why not have them as one of the hosts? So it's not a big deal. Hey, Scotland might even make it. No. I, I think we need 148 teams <laughs> to, to kind of have a chance at the moment. One of the, the other poll question we put out on Twitter tonight was, would you accept Canada not getting automatic qualification if we got to host more games? Yes or no? Oh, that's a tricky one. Yeah. Well, I mean, when it comes to, when it comes to these kind of things, obviously uh, my heart says hopefully we could qualify anyways, especially if it was 48 teams. Well, if, you, if Mexico and America were both in, then might have a good chance. Yeah, and you still have four, and you still there's still four more spots supposedly because yeah. there's going to be I think six, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I, I would want to maybe maybe take that gamble, but it's, obviously yeah. that's hypothetical. No, it's I, not going to happen. I don't think. See, I I would take. I'm not Canadian, so I would take that gamble. Wait, I thought you're, you're not Canadian yet. I haven't I haven't applied. Oh, okay. If if the Whitecaps win the MLS Cup, I will apply. If they'd won the Champions League, I was going to apply. But. Right, right. Now, the one thing I like about the World Cup is... Uh, the, I think thing? Uh, no, the, uh, the, I like the, the Panini posi- sticker albums. The, the positive, well, the, one of the positive things I like about the World Cup is the fact that there is uh, a, a kind of a... If, if the, assuming that we get automatic uh, bid, I mean automatic birth, that there is something to build towards. Yes. And yeah. you have, you know, you right now, you, <clears throat> I, I was thinking about it a couple of days ago that there's going to be players from that are currently age 12 to maybe 21, 22 that are going to be on that World Cup team. Yeah. And because it's, like we said, it's nine years away. Um, and also, they might be able to recruit some players that are of dual nationality who are kind of like on yes. the edge of one national team or the other and they might push them towards Canada because yeah, they know that they're going to be able to go guys. Yeah, maybe more Scottish guys, exactly. Um, but that's a very good point. You've, realistically, there's going to be some kids in the Whitecaps residency program right now that's going to be playing in a World Cup in nine years' time. And, I mean, that's exciting. But just to give you the, the results of this poll, we've got 33% said yes, they would be happy for Canada not getting qualification if they hosted more games. But 67% said no, Canada has to, to be a host for, for this to work. And that, that's, that kind of surprised me a little bit. In terms, in terms of uh, what this means or what this can mean for the, the program, uh, the Canadian men's national team program, I, it's huge. Um, this last year I read uh, Raphael Honingstein's Dust Reboot, which is the whole story of kind of how the, the, the 2014 German team was kind of built. And a huge part of that 
was in 2000 when Germany won the bid to yes. host the 2006 World Cup. And they were like, wow, we are in decline. Our national team is in decline. We need to do something about this. And the DFB worked with the DFL and all the clubs. And they went through a massive uh, em- emphasis on on developing players. And it, it didn't culminate. It culminated in third place in, in 2006, culminated in, what, third place in t- 2010. And finally, the ultimate uh, results came in, t- in 2014 when that all that investment paid off. And uh, so, yeah, it is a huge opportunity for us. It's, a, it's a, I think, a huge uh, – it'll, it'll help shape Jason DeVos's role with the CSA and what, what he's hoping to do and what he's looking to do and will hopefully shape player development for, for our country for these next nine years. And we're going to play some audio now. Back in February, you may remember, Don Garber was in Vancouver for a few meetings and – when he had the media round table, I, I asked him a couple of questions at that time about the potential World Cup bid. And obviously at that time we didn't know when it was going to get announced or what it was going to look like. So we'll play that audio for you now. And like I said, this, you can maybe read a couple of things in between the lines of this here. But let's hear now from MLS Commissioner Don Garber. World Cup could be in North America. If Canada and America decide to go for separate bids, would the league support one over the other? (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, I'm not going to comment about what decisions Canada or U.S. will make because I've I've never heard that before. Uh, I could assure you that uh, uh, the league will get behind uh, any bid to bring the... uh, World Cup to the United States and Canada. Uh, we were very active in supporting the bid in bringing it to the U.S. in 2022, and we'll be very supportive of a bid to bring it to North America, whether that's a joint bid uh, with the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, or it's a bid on its own in the U.S., or it's a bid on its own in Canada. We have three teams up here. When you look at the, the way that the game's developed here since the last World Cup in '94. MLS didn't exist at, at that point as an actual entity. How do you see the game having grown since that time? I mean, it's grown in, in just massively since 94. And as I have spoken to Victor Monteglani about, a World Cup coming to North America could help the growth of the sport uh, immeasurably uh, here in Canada. Our teams would get behind it. You know, whatever iteration is of this new professional league, uh, will get behind it. And ultimately, you'll be able to capitalize on the global excitement and energy of the world's most popular sporting event. And when it leaves, we're here, building a fan base, building a commercial business, building the importance of uh, our league or leagues or building the importance of the sport. You saw that with uh, what... Uh, happened with the Women's World Cup and the energy left behind for women's soccer. You had 22,000 people at a game here just the other day. Uh, you know, we, uh, I came into the league in 99. We had uh, 10 teams. The league operated three of them. 
So we had owners operating seven teams. And in 2022, we'll have 28 teams. And those seven owners now have turned into 20 owners. And no soccer stadiums uh, in the next two years will have 20 soccer stadiums. I believe all of that energy started with the 1994 World Cup. And it just got people to get it. Most popular World Cup and successful World Cup in history was in 94 in terms of revenue, in terms of the, the number of fans, because of the size of the stadiums we have in the United States. If we could have a World Cup here in 2026, and I'm a supporter of the joint bid, uh, I believe it will be uh, fantastic. Now, the entire U.S. soccer board has not yet gotten entirely behind that joint bid because it's premature, but as the commissioner of, uh, of Major League Soccer with teams in the U.S. and Canada, uh, I think it would be terrific. MLS commissioner there, Don Garber, playing out with a great song by Prolapse called Zurich is Stained. Nothing to do with FIFA, but it just seemed very, very fitting. The world will be coming to Vancouver in 2026, hopefully. We don't want to count our chickens either that, that the bid is guaranteed, but all the indications is it's going to, it's going to be held by the CONCACAF region, so if we're going to be the bid, then it, it does look pretty good. I asked Don Garber there how he, how he sees the game having changed in America after 1994. Now, I, I don't know, did either of you guys manage to make it to any games in ninety four? No, no, I was drinking too much. It's my graduation year. Yeah, I was only fifteen. I had my friends of uh, my close family friends went down, saw Italy play in New York. The, 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 this is another side of this, though. Actually, that I've seen some people talk about on Twitter. I forget who it was, but like, it's not just about the about the games. It's not just about um, having the the tournament here. One of the great things, uh, and I again, I was too young to take advantage of this is that, that in 94, being uh, the neighbor of the host country, Canada played Brazil. G- they played Brazil and Edmonton. They played Germany and Holland at at, um, at Varsity Stadium in Toronto. I went to the Germany game. That was the first real football game I ever went to um, or that I remember going to. Uh, and then uh, there was games in Montreal. I want to say like Spain or Morocco or I can't remember who it was. There was, there was two or th- I think two games in Montreal. So, again – we we might only get two or three host cities, but there will be hopefully be opportunity for some of these countries that will want to be wanting to acclimatize themselves to the North American continent that will come here and set up camp a month, two, three weeks ahead of time, and then they can play a game in Winnipeg. Yeah, in, in I Regina, mean, there's probably going to be some some fantastic exhibition games for, totally. for folk to go and take, and I hadn't even thought of that. I mean, yeah. that, that is a that's a great thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there will be camps. I went down to... Well, I didn't go down because I wasn't living here. I flew over... Um, it was Detroit, right? Yeah, I flew to Toronto. That, Toronto was the first place I'd ever been outside of, of the UK. And then we drove from Toronto down to Detroit, saw three games there. It was Survived. an excellent experience. Survived. Discovered that there's only something like four taxi cabs outside the Silver Dome, and we took about two hours to try and get a taxi home. Four pasty Scottish guys standing me in my East Fife top bright yellow, dying in the heat. And this guy pulls up and he's like, oh, do you guys want a ride? I'm like, yeah, okay. So we all piled in. Then he took us to 
what would be best described as a project area, and we thought, we're going to die. But he just went to tell his wife he was giving these four Scottish guys a ride, so it all worked out good. Excellent. Unless I died and this is some kind of alternative reality. I've got a radio show, there's every chance it could be. But I want to read you some responses we, we kind of had on Twitter to this. And I think excitement will start to grow. I, I think it really is kind of growing already. I, actually, before before we get to the tweets, how do you see... I mean, we, we kind of talked about there's got to be guys in the residency programme just now that, that could be playing in this. But for the players, someone like Ben McKendry, somebody like Caden Chung, these guys that's in the pro ranks just now, how exciting must it be for them to know that if they can make it, they've got a World Cup on home soil and they've got a great chance of being part of it. It's massive. It's huge. It, yeah, I, 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 don't, I can't imagine how excited they are. And I'm, I'm hoping it does like, motivate them to become even better players. And that's what we're talking about, totally. something to play for. And I think we, we, we've already seen an example of this a little bit with the, with the, the women U19, the, women, the men's U20, yeah. and then the women's U20 and the women's full World Cup. You saw how... I think you saw the excitement in the players that were part of things. I think you saw some disappointment from players who didn't make it into that squad for the women's team. But it was a, yeah. it was a huge thing for I them. Mean, yeah, to miss out on that must have been heartbreaking yeah. for, for some of the women. Reading some of the tweets here, Greg Petrie at Our Dumb World said that Canada hosting in 2026 will be perfect timing. A great lead up to the Canadian Premier League finally getting started in 2027. I thought that deserved a laugh there, but yeah. obviously. <laughs> I think it'll be sooner than that. Maybe, like you said, the World Cup might be able to get that Canadian Premier League happening sooner. Well, the word on the, the, word on the Canadian League is that the announcement's coming May 12th or whatever. Well, we're going to talk about that soon. Yeah. Uh, Greg Petrie followed that up by saying he'd have liked a few more games, but he's not outraged by the number. Um, I think the CSA should really push to host the opener, though. Yeah, those. I mean, I mean if we're only getting 10 games, having the opener would be fantastic. Yeah, because Mexico's, Mexico's had two, the States has had one, the States is hosting the final. That would make sense. Not going to happen. USA will be <laughs> hosting the opener of the World Cup. I, I'd like to see. I don't know. I mean... They, they'll have the first... Op- like, maybe the, maybe we get the first game on the second day, but that first game will be in America. Like, the one where it's the single game. I, I hope not. I, I'd love to see it here. I'd love to see it in Vancouver. I mean, it's just... They, they can bill it as the place that hosted the, the World Cup final for the women. It's also the place that had the first yeah, first totally. game here as well. Murray Lynn on Twitter says that Canada and Mexico got shafted. Make it 20-40-20 and then it works. And some of those 20 should be in the knockout phase. It is very disappointing that quarterfinals onwards, it's all in the States. You'd think they would at least have... I mean, you've got one of the... If everyone that's going to host it, the most iconic stadium... From the three countries, the Azteca. Yeah. And they're not going to host anything from quarterfinals on. That's ridiculous. It's a bit sad. Yeah, you would have thought they would have got a semi there. I mean, if we host I, the opening game here, I'll get a I would have a game, semi. I'd have a semi. Yeah, my semi. yeah, we were on the same I wave. Mean, so, same wave like there. It was so I don't know if semi. Zach was throwing that out. <laughs> no, semi final. Semi final. Oh, you, you didn't actually mean no. that. Like, in all seriousness, though, the Azteca should host the opening game or the final. To me, that's the iconic stadium. That's the the one that should host it. No, but that, that's not that's, again. That, no, that's not how it works, right? Like you look at. Oh, I know because Zurich is stained. No, yeah, of course. But you, I mean, you look at places where they've hosted twice. Like for example, Germany, where they they hosted in '74. 
it was West Germany that the final was in Munich. This time, there was no way the final was going to be in Munich. It was going to be in, in Berlin, right, to change things up. I, I don't think the final should be at Azteca for sure. I, just like there's lots of talk that the final won't be like back at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena um, for, for, you know, for the States this time. It'll probably be like at, at MetLife in New York or whatever. I don't know. Dallas was getting mentioned by – I can't remember if it was SB Nation or something. They because it's, they, because it's they so wrote, big. Yeah, yeah, they wrote a piece basically saying where they thought the games were going to be played, and they didn't have CenturyLink on it at all, oh. which the fact that they played Copa games there is pretty obvious. Yeah. No, but the thing is about Seattle is that they mentioned in the press conference, I think Seattle and Vancouver were one of the first, like when they were saying like they're going to match, match, yeah. team, uh, match uh, cities up. Um, I, I agree that I think it could be Dallas only because, number one, they, it's probably the biggest stadium uh, they have. Uh, in America, I think it's you could get about hundred thousand there. Plus, it's very close to Mexico, so you you will have that. Uh, um, uh, the the a lot of people from Mexico actually uh, dr- uh, bus up in order to watch Dallas Cowboy games. So I, I don't see the Mexicans in now. If the wall just now. now now if the wall's up by then, I don't know if that's going to happen. But uh, for now, I think uh, it's, it's it's probably most likely. I think it'll be Dallas. It'll the be final. Hot. Yeah, I think Dallas. No. I would put I'd money be, on Dallas, yeah, just I'd, because I'd of the size well. of the stadium. Yeah, yeah size of yeah. stadium, the just just that iconic gigantic look of it. screen. It's yeah. going to be no, it's going to be it's got to be in New York. The last one was in LA. This one's going to be New York. I don't see it. Well, then, yeah, okay. <laughs> just an opinion. I, I, it'll all depend on how nice that uh, New York City FC stadium is going to be. If that is looks like a great stadium, because they'll probably play it in there. No. Where do you think they'll it's play? It's going to be it, well, technically not New York. It's going to be the MetLife. It's going to be where the Giants play. Oh, yeah, La- maybe. Last, tweet. but I don't. That, that's not very. That, that team doesn't have anything to it. Yeah, New York, a, I guess, has got the iconic thing as well. Like, though. Yeah, it's yeah. only the city, but I think overall, I think Dallas fits what they're looking for. The, the heat, though. The, yeah, the heat, it's oh, like I mean, believe you, me, heat going in, on about heat, Qatar, but heat in New York is very. It's very hot in the, yeah. in the summertime. It's humid, so, yeah, yeah, humid. Last tweet we'll read, and then we'll move on from this. J underscore Duke. He may have left, but he's tweeting us, which is fantastic. Obviously, From, listening to this in the car, pull, pulled over clearly to, to send yeah. this. He says that the reality is for Canada, it was either 10 games or none at all. I agree and with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we kind of have to, to agree with that. So that's our chat about the 2026 World Cup for now. We've got a little bit still to do tonight, so thank you for staying with us. If you're listening to this in the podcast, this is going to be podcast 189. And it's time now for our wavelength section of the show. And we're returning to uh, the band that kicked all this off in CITR, the Sultans of Ping FC, and their 1993 debut album, Casual Sex in the Cineplex. We thought, it's, it's one in the morning. What better time to bring you a song about football, philosophers, educated women, and sadomasochism, sex in the bedroom. This is Kick Me with your leather boots.
single to the boys from Brazil. When we wear our leather boots, it's so on the same. Yes, my sing like for volley sends the blood to my brain. You say Dostoevsky was the greatest of them all. In my opinion, funny, I can credible control. Just an explosion conscience had me running off the wall. Kick me with your leather boots, kick me tight. Sultans of Ping FC there with Kick Me With Your Leather Boots. Where else on Vancouver Radio, or any radio really, are you going to hear a song mentioning Osvaldo Ardiles, Poland's famous Boniek, and philosophers Dostoevsky and Felix Mandelson, only on the AFTN Soccer Show. That was a song there about, you know what it's like, you meet a girl, you hit it off, but you don't have that much in common. She's into philosophy and arty things and intelligence things. You're into football, but you've got the love of sadomasochism. And that was Kick Me With Your Leather Boots. So, what better way to move on from sadomasochism in the bedroom than to talk to our friends at TSSFC Rovers? Colin Elms, Will Cromack. We mentioned just before the ads and the music there about the impact that the the World Cup is going to have on Canadian football. Something which people are hoping is going to have an impact on Canadian football long before that is the Canadian Premier League. And we're going to talk a little bit about that just to wrap up the show. Right now, TSSFC Rovers are going into their first PDL season. One of a number of Canadian clubs. In their conference is going to be Victoria Highlanders and Calgary Foothills as well. Had a chat with Will and Colin a couple of weeks ago now, and we're going to bring you some more over the next couple of weeks in the in the show. But I want to play you a bit where we talked about why they picked to go into PDL just now, not wait to see what was maybe going to come from the Canadian Premier League or the BC Soccer Division 3 tier league. And do they hold out hopes for possibly going into the Canadian Premier League down the line? So let's hear now from TSFC FC Rovers, Colin Elms, and Will Cromack. 
if you're looking at the future, you've got Canadian Premier League might be starting next year. Um, then you've got the BC Soccer's Tier Three League that they're they're kind of looking to kind of mirror League One and and the Quebec one. Where do you see TSS fitting into that? Do you have any interest in the future of being part of one of those, or are you happy just to to do PDL for a while? I think you know in our in our discussions along the way and our in our sanctioning at least the verbal discussions. You know, we, we've kind of said, hey, look, we get the, 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 that our country needs to, to build a, a, a structure that's more appropriate to allow us to move our, our world ranking up. Yeah. Um, uh, but at the same time, uh, time was now. Uh, I did not, you know, when we started talking PDL, I didn't want, you know, I, we kind of knew that there was a possibility that this League One concept was going to stretch itself across the country, but the reality is, is I, I can't wait. Yeah, um, this opportunity came up, and and uh, but saying that, uh, we've we've expressed, you know, and again, we've stepped into a, a league, Mike, that I think is well, it might be over twenty years old. Um, it, it's been running successfully. It's placed. Uh, umpteen players in the MLS and USL uh, environments over the, over the years. Um, uh, it has uh, it has cachet. Uh, like TSS Rovers are playing Founders and Timbers. Yeah, like that's that's pretty cool. Um, uh, so yeah, would we be interested in the future if the if this this Tier three league was viable and it was running well. Of course, we would we would consider that. Um, we made a, a, a fairly significant financial commitment yeah. to the PDL and a time commitment. We're committed for three years. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so circumstances may dictate what happens moving forward that way. Um, but without a without a doubt, we have to sit and think about whether or not it made sense. Uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, our stance on being 100% Canadian, I think, is, is a, if you're, you know, some people said, oh, you're in an American league. And I'm like, well, yeah, but look what we're doing, right? We're committing to the layer of players locally. And, and believe me, we've turned away a whole bunch of foreign uh, players, uh, some who are local, who are very good. Uh, to maintain our our stance on on 100% Canadian, um, so we've we've taken a, a very unique kind of approach to this. Um, even though the league is a is a is a U.S. based uh, entity, um, but if circumstances dictate moving forward in three plus years, that uh, it it makes sense for TSS Rovers to be in a different environment, we'll consider that. Um, I'd also say this, Mike. Um, this is what a lot of people talk about in the world to say. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to. You know, not not do that this year. And they they end up talking a lot. And at the very very least, uh, you're talking to two guys who who take the step, which ultimately puts a, a, a bullet on you know a, a bullseye on your back. Because you're doing something. Yeah. So, so in the end, 
whether you um, show up and all of a sudden you're at St. George's and you're, you're coaching kids, um, that allows someone to come to you and go, hey, mate, I got, a, I got an opportunity for you called um, uh, a tennis center. Do you want to come in? Without having jumped, you never have the opportunity to get sports down. Without jumping and saying, this is what we're doing. Everybody's been talking about something around this country, and we know it because we're old, and we've been around it forever uh, at all levels. Once the, once the CSL went, um, it's been talk ever since. And you got to commend the Whitecaps. you got to commend uh, you know, Saputo, Kerfoot, TFC. They put some together. Edmonton, Ottawa, they put some together. That's local. Yeah. And what we're saying is our, 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 we want to be in that mix. We want to be in the mix of, of people who have said, we'll do something and we'll put our money where our mouth is. Now, if they say come <clears throat> what I would consider down to RT3, um, great. But what if someone said to us, Hey, listen. We love your product. We'll we'll bring the we'll bring the millions for you to go into the uh, CPL. Hey, okay. We'll, we'll, we we've got something to show you. We've got something. You know, we made a website. We we've got players. We've got an opportunity. We we'd have a listen. But I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying without taking a step or something and really believing in it and actually saying we want to try and be a solution then nothing's ever going to happen. So, hey, man, go, go crazy, RT3. Let's, let's get more people playing, more, more opportunities. But we're going to be playing the Timbers, and we're going to be playing the Sounders. We're going to have marquee exhibition games, and we're not worried. We're just stoked if everybody's playing. Let's get soccer better. Well, here's, here's an interesting one for you, then. If Canadian soccer expands, like there's there's loads of players. I mean, you just have to look VMSL, Fraser Valley League. There's hundreds of guys playing soccer at different levels of ability every weekend. If you're looking at developing a Canadian Premier League, whether it's like 8, 10, 12 teams, you're going to have like Division 3 leagues in BC and Ontario and Quebec, PDL teams like yourself in Calgary and Victoria. Do you feel that the player pool of decent enough talent exists in Canada to make those products, make the public think, yeah, we're going to go and support this? Because VMSL doesn't get many folk out watching because it's not yeah, top it was quality. Horrible for the first five years, maybe ten, but it would clean up like a pathway, um, and ultimately, um, whatever that top CPL level would be would need to be financed. And you know, there's lots of conversations about how that does. We have to be financed for a while, but it would clean up. It would start to get better because environments would be there to play. It was true of uh, the CSL. It was true of the way the NASL. Had to have North American players on the field. Um, ultimately, it, you know, if we look from again Colin's ten thousand foot view, the North America and Canada in particular are like the Wild West. You know, leagues here, everywhere, shaping all down. I mean, you just you just start to move things out and and put things in their right place. But the talent, clearly on the male side, not anywhere near there to be able to fill them all out. But it would at least allow people to. Um, go to the appropriate level that they were at um, and feed the system in, in a recognized manner, i.e. Um, our Div 1, which would be at the level of, say, Div 3 or 4 um, elsewhere in the world, would slowly but surely become the Div, you know, a quality level of Div 3, a quality level of Div 4, but everything would fall in line where VMSL-type players would end up being your conference. Yeah, and Mike, yeah. as 
we know, just looking around us, you know, we just fell out of another World Cup two years in advance of, of the actual tournament happening. Yeah. Um, we can't keep just doing what we do, right? And yeah, you, you, groups, uh, particularly owners that are going to pay players, you know, we're not in that realm, but those people, if this thing gets off the ground, and I hope it, hope it does for, for the sake of, of our football environment, um, they're sticking their necks way out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as Willie said, there has to be some kind of federation buy-in, you know, kind of like, to be honest, I know these, these teams are going to have owners, but kind of like what happens, you know, you know, all these local clubs, some of them get upwards of $200,000 in gaming grants, you know, to help them run their, their, their club environment. There needs to be some kind of government buy-in. You know, you look at, you know, everybody kind of moans about where Australia was at football-wise back in the day, and now, you know, look where they are. Well, it's because the government spent a huge amount of money. They took the game seriously. So, yeah, I think while this is going on, while these, these billionaire, millionaire people are, are about to stick their necks out, I, I think from a sporting model perspective, our, our federal government uh, and probably our provincial government um, are going to need to step up here and, and help to make this thing work, right? They, they help build friggin' stadiums, for crying <laughs> out loud. Yeah. just coming to the end of hour two of the show actually i think we might have gone into no we're coming coming to the end of hour two extra time yeah so for the next couple of hours what we've got lined up for you i mean it's easter <laughs> let's just let's just keep going until th- the cheap easter eggs are out i think we might go longer than the 10 commandments movie oh that possibly. comes on every easter i was gonna go down a whole 10 commandments routine but that might take us a while Wait, we got a message from friend of the show harjit jahal who wants to know what that music was about she's not a fan of leather boots apparently so we'll, we'll try and pick something that she likes for the next show another dirge well i'm not on the next show so that's there's a plus for everyone that's that's listening so just before the ads there we heard from colin elms and will Cromack from tssfc rovers Obviously, we're really looking forward to the season to come. AFTN's official media partners of TSSFC Rovers. Myself and Gideon Hill are going to be doing the commentary for the home matches as well. So we're looking forward to that. First game kicks off at home, Swan Guard, Friday, May 12th. Lane United. 
looking forward to it. The, the big question, and it's going to kind of tie in with, we're going to do a little bit of chat about Canadian Premier League, is, is the appetite of the local soccer fans, the market here, is it there to support a team like TSSFC Rovers? When you're listening to folks' comments on Twitter, social media, everyone's saying that they're doing the right thing. They love all the things they're doing. They love their kit. They love their fun social media, self-deprecating humour. Is that enough to get people, though, to buy season tickets to come out to the matches? They they would love to have four-figure crowds at Swan Guard. I'd love to see that as well. I'm I'm just a little bit sceptical. I know you'll find that hard to believe that I'm sceptical or, or pessimistic about stuff, but I just don't know that the demand is there, not just for a PDL team like TSSFC Rovers, but for other clubs in big municipalities where there's other things to go to for non-top flight football. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why the Whitecaps didn't want to pay for a PDL team when they when they got a, a USL team. Yeah, they they were the PDL was free, uh, like nothing, there was no admission to get into it uh, back in the day. And uh, when they decided to invest in a in a USL side, they said they no longer wanted to invest in a US, in a PDL side because of the financial commitment to it. And I mean, the good thing about TSSFC Rovers, they've got six residency alumni. And a host of other players on the team that have been with the Whitecaps residency program at various times of their career, prospects, guys that were maybe cut when they were 15. great example of that is Zach Verhoeven, who first year student at UBC this last term, seven assists, five goals, led the team in assists. He was cut by the Whitecaps at the age of 15. Mm. Didn't make it into the under-16 or the under-18 team, went back to Surrey United, he is now one of the, the hottest prospects on the Thunderbirds team. He's been flying uh, training from what Collins told me. And this is this is a chance for these guys. And a guy like Tim Hickson that the Whitecats didn't pick up to come back and show that they can make it. It's another pathway, and that's what's important for Canadian soccer. On Friday, we were talking about you know how significant uh, the opportunity for first-team Whitecaps players. They need to take both hands and grasp the opportunities they're given yeah. when they're playing the USL. Well, here you're. I think you're going to see a lot of hungry guys, yeah, because they have been rejected by or bounced out of the monopoly that the Whitecaps have had on on uh, football um, from the let's say I guess the PD level, PDL level, and up over the years, and now they have an opportunity to show that they they are good enough, or that they do have something to contribute, or that they do still have potential. And so, yeah. And it also shows as well that even if the white caps don't pick you up or if they cut you, that's not the end. Exactly. No, and there's another pathway. And some some players are late developers. They're exactly. not. They're, yeah. They 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 need to work on their craft. It's not just they're going to show it at fourteen fifteen. Yeah. They got to need to show it. They need a place to go. And and if they can, whether it's the Canadian PL or um, uh, the, the the what the, what they have right now, the TSS Rovers, if there's a one or two players that can take that next step and become a national team player eventually, whether it's at 23, 24, 25, they become that player, that's going to be a benefit to everybody. Um, not only to that player, to the national team, to TSS Rovers, because they're going to have to say, look, we developed this guy and he's now a national team player. And yeah. so it's going to be it's, it's, it's going to be growing pains for everything, whether it's the, uh, the PL or the, uh, or the TSS Rovers. They've admitted themselves that it's not going to be easy initially. 
But yeah, in the first will... couple of years for the Canadian Premier League is going to be tough. Oh, yeah. It's like... But you have to put the that, that legwork in there in order to see what can happen. You can't expect everything to yeah. jump off the butt. You right have to hope, though, that the fans and the media do have the long-term view. I want nothing more for the Canadian Premier League to succeed. Mm-hmm. But realistically, I don't think it's going to be what a number of the really enthusiastic supporters of it think it is going to be. They're, they're talking, it's, oh, it's Div 1 level, it's going to challenge MLS. Players, their first choice is if they want to stay in North America, they're going to want to be in MLS. Then they'll pick NASL. Then there'll be USL teams in the States that's going to be offering good money. There's been some Canadian guys that were training this off-season. Cam Hundle was one of them. He was in Arizona. They've just got Drogba. So it's like... So you're saying Cam will be behind? I think he could be behind. And, the, and Omar Bravo? Yeah, and he, he, could Sean be behind, he could be behind those. <laughs> he, he didn't make the roster. Uh, I'm not sure why. But is he going to be an owner one day? Or? Could be. Okay. But I mean, that's the first choice for these guys. There's going to be some... Like, Canadian Premier League is ideal for maybe somebody like a Jackson Farmer. He had his goal with the Whitecaps. It didn't work out. If he wanted to stay in Canada, Canadian Premier League's the option for him. But so many of these guys want to go to Europe and they would rather be playing Div 3, Div 4 Germany than perceived Div 1 in Canada, which is realistically going to be Div 3 in North America. Well, that's what Levere Corbinong did, right? He he got cut by the Whitecaps. He went and trialed a a number of places in Europe. His first place he signed was 5th Division in Germany. And now he's slowly moving his way up, has has his first cap for the national team. If you have the talent and you go over there... I mean, Jay Demerit's like your typical kind of story. And he came through the PDL setup and he is an advisor for TSS FC Rovers. Totally, yeah. And he went over, he was playing non-league. And if you've got the quality, you've got more chance of then being noticed and making it because there's way more opportunities. Do you see that the quality is there to sustain in the, the first couple of years a top quality Canadian PL that isn't going to make the league look like a joke? See, it's difficult because they're trying to do something. They're trying to build the top and not build the bottom. And really, I, I, I think for this to be ultimately successful in the way everyone wants is you need to build from the grassroots up. But no one has the time or the money to do that. Yeah. So they're trying to build top down sort of. And th- that's where that's – where it kind of you you see the potential for it not to be as successful as everyone wants it to be. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I just feel folk are overestimating what this can deliver in the early years. Anyway, the, the folk thing, think it's going to rival MLS. From no, the start. it's not going to rival MLS. But I think that the the benefit might be that you know how you're saying it's not enough quality. Maybe you know maybe that's a good thing in the way that the defenders are not going to be as great. There's going to be mistakes. Mistakes lead to goals. Goals lead to people cheering. So it might be a thing where uh, mistakes lead to development as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I'm going to remind you you said that. <laughs> so, so basically, it could be that it becomes a more exciting league. Um, I'm not saying it's because you know we've watched uh, in the past provincial cup games, which are which is coming up as well. Uh, we've watched games like that, and there's some of their games are. Very entertaining. I mean, I, We've I've had watched so many VMSL games over the last eight months, and it's the quality's there. Yeah, but it's not it's not MLS NASL style quality. 
on, and you can't expect that. That's the thing. You no, gotta, but folk you, are expecting. You it. gotta set thing. expectations. And That's if, where. But the, if you have a TV deal, yeah, folks going to be watching those games and just going, "This is ridiculous. This is not quality football." I'm used to watching Man United Chelsea on a Sunday morning. Why so, am I going to watch so you're, so you're Saskatoon su- Halifax? So you're suggesting to maybe play behind closed doors then? No, for but the first two years. I, yeah, I, I, I hear, I'm all for that. I hear what you're saying, and that that it's going to be interesting to see how they talk about the league and make make that a reality. Because you're right, they they can't totally spin the marketing side of this, right? They can't just spin it to be like this is going to be something that it isn't because you're right they'll lose the they might not lose the the people uh, the the supporters who are going to be there no matter what but they there is a high potential for them to lose the the fan who will come and check things out once and then or watch it once on tv and then be like okay this is i can see better if i go watch a vmsl game or whatever so it's how they how they manage those expectations i do think one of the things that's important and this is both for the canadian league and for TSS Rovers in the Lower Mainland, is we've seen, and we talked about this earlier, about some of the frustrations around the Whitecaps, some of the or the way they've chosen to do things or, or the way they've, tr- they've treated certain people or certain situations and how that's frustrated people and how that's turned people off to the point of not no longer having season tickets or being there's lots of people who have season tickets who are really open to something else is that number yeah. is that number significant enough i don't we don't know yet i don't know but i have met so many folk as i said in a previous show that have given up season tickets it's kind of incredible and some and some of them or a number of them have already gotten their season tickets for TSS Rovers yeah. because they want to go to live football they want to support at live football they want to be part of of something and that's where you got to give uh, you got to give Willie and um, Colin a lot of credit because they the way they're talking about things. I think one is is hitting a note that's genuine, and two it's it's making making people feel like they are a part of something. Whereas the yeah. Whitecaps don't make you feel like you're a part of anything. It's more about it's more just a business that you're you're connected to. They're trying to build a community. There is a danger that the Canadian Premier League could go down that way because they're, they're basing a lot of it on the MLS model. What I do like is that it's going to bring professional football to markets in Canada that it doesn't exist just now, right. like Halifax. The, the, the plans for Halifax, apart from the fact that they're going to build a stadium with no roof, which I just yeah. do not think is a, a great idea, but their overall plans, how they've launched it there, the buy-in that they've got from the community is fantastic because folk want to watch professional sport in Halifax. They will come out in numbers. That's the kind of fans that will come out in numbers. If there's a team in Saskatoon, you're likely to get fans coming out in numbers. Or Regina, yeah. We just have to write or do something with Brett Levis on the the podcast or on the website, and it's like the numbers are huge because folk are fascinated and, oh, a guy from Saskatchewan has gone and made it into the pro ranks. So those kind of things, something in, in Manitoba... Those are the markets that fans will come out. But ultimately, the league's going to want to have teams in Montreal area, Toronto area. Hamilton's obviously greater Toronto area. In Vancouver, do you see or would you like to see a Canadian Premier League team in the lower mainland? I'm not saying just Vancouver, looking at the valley. A, do you think it will happen? B, would you like to see it happen? 
I think go ahead, Steve. Uh, I I think it, I think it will happen. I I don't think it should be in the lower mainland. Um, I know Swangard is an optimum place to play, possibly because of the the location, because it's so centrally located. You got SkyTrain not too yeah. far away, but I think maybe playing a little bit out there, um, maybe in the Fraser Valley. Why are you pointing um, at me? No, not I'm, I'm actually pointing <laughs> towards Fraser Valley. You're out there. Um, no, like, that's that's the ocean over there, Steve. Like, uh, like a city, like uh, I know I, I'm, I live in Surrey. A city in Surrey might be a good option to put uh, a, a t- uh, if they build the stadium it, to build put a t- team there that can draw maybe four or five thousand, maybe even further out. Maybe Langley would be a good option. Surrey um, Gangbangers is your team name. Maybe <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. Um, <laughs> maybe. Maybe again, maybe a team like in all the way in Absurd or Cloverdale or Chilliwack. I don't know. I don't think it, it's going to work too well, uh, uh, you know, going right up against the Whitecaps. But, but the thing is, like the Fraser Valley Soccer League is attracting more and more talent. VMSL is still the number one league in, in the lower mainland by a mile, and that's where the teams want to play or they, where the good players want to play. But as the house prices go up in Vancouver, more and more families are moving out to the valley. So you've got that market that they don't want to come into Vancouver. They don't want to spend money to to bring your family to a game in Vancouver and travel hours to get there as well. So there is that market there. I I just don't see it working to make money. If the owners are happy for it to be a loss maker, that's fine. A name to throw out there, the Aquilini brothers... They were obviously interested in possibly having some input or a rival MLS team or doing a bid. So, I mean, they've shown an interest in football before. Would they want to come in maybe and they, have a team? They're, they're actually looking to possibly... There are rumours that they want to buy the Lions, the BC Lions. Really? Uh, so they, they, they maybe they are a team that uh, people that want to do... That might, to do. might eat up a lot of their things. But yeah. then they'd have all the sports if they went for a soccer team as well. Well, to answer your original question, yeah, I think uh, to both the questions, my answer would be yes. I like, I definitely would want a Canadian league team in the lower mainland. And I think, I think, it, I think it will. And I think it can work. And uh, I think, I think, the, I think the, the Whitecaps have a monopoly here. And I think that needs to be broken up. But the problem is, I don't think it, people aren't going to break it up. They, they've already seen the Whitecaps play. They've seen them play against top competition, top players. Um, and they, I don't. They will I, soon be a top twenty-five club in the world. I don't think. I don't think they will. I don't think they will yeah. go. Um, and and the the casual fan, especially, will not go and see um, a team that's uh, in this area play. Um, in a lower league, they're going to consider it a lower league, and they're not going yeah. to play. Watch it. So the casual fan, I think that's the issue in Toronto. As yeah, well. um, Toronto, I see a little differently because they have a big, way bigger. Uh, I don't fan know. Base. Like no one's, no one goes out to watch TFC two games. Montreal, no, even less folk were going out to that. They had like double digit crowds in USL oh. last season. Yeah, but Montreal was also playing basically their residency program. Yeah, but and that's one, of, and then they didn't want to pay anymore. But but I mean. The, the last thing we'll talk about this, and then we'll just wrap this show up, is there's been so much so much speculation and very little fact so far about what this league is going to look like. Now, you mentioned that you think there's going to be an announcement in May. Well, the, the talk is that the next Board of Governors meetings for the CSA is in May. I think it's around that May 12th and uh, or that weekend or whatever, and that, that there's expected to be an announcement then. 
this is of course not the first time that people have been expecting an announcement yeah. in regards to this, which but, is which is partly concerning, but partly also like at least if if things aren't ready, at least they're not making announcements of no. you know this is what we hope is going to happen. Um, but for this next meeting, will we have Jason DeVos and Kara Lang uh, tweeting out uh, stuff that's happening in the meeting, yeah. or will we be able to know what's going on? I have no idea. That that was interesting. I remember that a couple of years ago. Yeah, ago. I'm not fun. sure. If it's the same kind of meeting, but yeah, um, it's exciting times anyway for Canadian soccer. Totally. between the World Cup bid, PDL teams doing well, Canadian Premier League, and it's exciting. And you, I mean, you think we, we need a league? The, Canada needs a league, right? But we have leagues here. Canada needs its own league, I, as a national league. I, I I disagree. It works if it's regional. It regional yeah. and then eventually they Re- play in a national I'm championship sure because just of the cost, the size of the country, how much it costs to go coast to coast, as we've talked about before. I, I, as I've, I think I, I said on a previous show, I want to go and explore Newfoundland and Labrador. I can fly back to Scotland via London for no, cheaper than it no, costs for me to fly there. I don't know if this would work with the Canadian PL or or how this, but my, my when this originally came up, my idea was. Having it like um, the the junior league, the Canadian Hockey League, yeah. where they have a Western league, basically Saskatchewan, yeah. uh, Manitoba, that and makes West. So much sense. Ontario has its own league. Quebec has and well, like USL do with their East and Western conferences. Yeah. So, and, the teams and then eventually, the at the final. end of the year, they come together in yeah. a tournament and play. The four teams play a tournament. All for that, totally. Yeah. And so that before, when I was talking about they need to build it from the ground up, that's what I was referring to. Okay. That, that's how it. That's okay. how. That's how it would be. Yeah, more but natural. they are going top down. Yeah, and they're only starting if the Halifax plans are to be believed. They're going to start next year yeah. in August, riding the World Cup wave. Focusing. Which to me is like, you've just watched the best players in the world. Hey, here's a team in Halifax. I don't see how you ride that wave the, the but same. People said that about MLS too back in the day. <laughs> yeah, and MLS was dreadful I in know. the first years. So, but, I but, went to an MLS game in 1997. Yeah. And looking back now, what, 20 years later? It's so, so different. But, but they took the step. And that's maybe yeah. what they have to do, take a step to go to that It's direction. going to be growing pains. It's going to be tough. We'll bring you more coverage when we've got it. It just has but to be I commitment. Think, think for now, if there's anyone still listening to this live, we <laughs> commend you. <laughs> I know Har's, Har's listening because she just sent me a message. But She's probably just getting in. It's one we We've been going two and a half hours. I think this is our record. Okay, so we're finishing this part and then I'm going to do my, my solo audio history of supporter groups within yep, the Vancouver. and then I've got a special new wave and punk show coming up sweet. at 4am. I sweet. thought we were doing a wrestling podcast. Too. Oh, that's at 5. Yeah. Okay, sweet. We've got to have an hour in between. Steve's wearing his strong style t-shirt, Nakamura. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Just before we go, just let everyone know where they can find you online. We'll oh. start with you, Zach. Yeah, it's at Zachary AM on Twitter. I'm part of the Movement Curva Collective. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And don't forget the dearly departed Jay Duke, who's had to, to leave us. He's gone to a better place. His bed. Yeah. Well, I've heard it's better. You can follow him on Twitter at J underscore Duke. I'm Michael McCall. You can follow me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. We're going to bring you this podcast, as, or this show, as two separate podcasts, number 188 and 189. The Whitecaps podcast will be out on Monday. The chat about the World Cup, Premier League, TSS, that'll be out on Thursday. So watch for that in your 
RSS podcast feeds. Next weekend, I won't be here. I'll be in Portland. So it's going to be Steve, hopefully Zach, maybe a couple of special guests as well. We'll see what happens. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.